See, what happens is those people who clean those things reveal the things that have always been there. It wasn't as bright or the details weren't as clear because they were kind of obscured. Then the real impact of the painter's work, once it's been cleaned, it can really be seen. And it's the same thing sometimes as we read. It's always been there. It's just now it's made clearer because we maybe have been moved to a place in our spiritual walk where God says, well, now you can handle that. Now you can handle applying that one thing to your life. God must be taught for it to be understood, and understanding reveals what has already been there the whole time. God will use different circumstances and situations at certain times in your life to illuminate the meaning of Scripture right when you need it. This is why it's key, as Pastor Mark points out today, to make sure the teaching you're getting from the Word leaves you understanding God better, not a person. This process will involve correction and reproof, which aren't pleasant. But your humble response and teachable heart are essential for change, growth, and deep abiding joy. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 for today's edition of Come Alive. Attentiveness stems from reverence. If we maintain our reverence for God and the fact that he is speaking to us through his word, what we'll actually do is we'll wind up paying attention to his word. We'll pay attention to what he says. If we forget that it's the word of the living God that's to us, our minds will wander uh, around to other things. And sometimes I realize that pastors and preachers and teachers can sometimes be boring. I know that. But if I lose your attention, direct your mind to the text of Scripture and ask the Lord to open your heart. Uh, Look at the rest of verse 6. The second part says, Then all the people answered. All the people answered. This was a work of the Word of God. The Spirit of God had three immediate results. The people thanked God. They thanked Him. Well, When they said amen, when Ezra blessed the Lord and they said amen, amen means so be it. So be it. And then they prayed by lifting their hands. You know, one of the times I'd seen somebody, I walked into a church when I first... Um, Before I was even saved, I saw people lifting their hands, and I'm like, what are they doing? The the band was playing music, and this lady had her hand up, and I was like, there's no way she is going to ask a question to the band. I mean, that's how stupid I was. I, I didn't grow up in church. I was an atheist standing in church. And I saw this lady, and she had her eyes closed, and I was like, oh, she's waving. Maybe she hurts her daughter up there or her son. And then I kind of looked behind me. There's another guy standing like this. And I looked up at the ceiling. I'm like, what are they doing? And I was like, oh, no. These are those Pentecostals. They're about to get crazy. It's about to light up in here. And who knows what's going to happen? And the music kept playing. And the people kept doing it. And the other people would do it. And some hands would go down. And then there was one song that said, lift your holy hands. And every hand went up. And I'm standing there. And I'm like... I didn't want to be left out. I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. 
And then after I got saved, it took me a couple of years to figure this out. That I had this little girl laying in a crib. And one day I walked in and she recognized who her father was. And her hands went up. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that first worship service. That those people were praising their dad. They were excited. They wanted to, it was just kind of like, dad, dad. It's a surrender, right? Please put your hands up. And, and you do that. How many of you ever had that happen? Yeah, neither have I. Anyway, so we surrender to the Lord when we praise the Lord. So the people thank God by saying amen. They prayed by lifting their hands and they worship by bowing down before him. Now, we don't literally bow down in our worship services, but we can bow our hearts. That's a sign of submission. You know, thanksgiving prayer and praise are all good measures of how the Spirit of God and the Word of God are working in us. Look at verse 7 and 8, because for spiritual renewal, God's Word must be taught. For spiritual renewal, God's Word must be taught. It doesn't only have to be taught by me. It can be taught by the Lord. In the mornings, I get up and I'm like, Lord, teach me. Teach me your word. Show me what it is. And I remember I prayed that prayer since I got saved, since the first time I got a Bible and I opened it up. I had no idea really what I was looking at. But I just said, Lord, I want to be taught by you and no one else. And he used other men in my life and other pastors to teach me. But in my quiet times in the morning, I didn't want to go to another book or a commentary. I just wanted to sit with my Bible and ask the Lord and I would journal. That's one of the best ways to sit and have your quiet time. Because if you're trying to just bust through a chapter to get through a chapter, that's fine if you can retain all that. But I would rather just focus on a verse or a couple of verses where the Lord really speaks and then apply that to my life. Or it may not apply to me. I've had it been where I'm like, I don't get this. And somebody comes up and talks to me and I'm like, hey man, can I tell you something? And I share with them what I read in my quiet time. And they're like, dude, you're so smart. And I just kind of laugh at that. Because for my whole life growing up, I was always told that I was stupid. I come to know the Lord and now everybody thinks I'm smart. And I use the word think very loosely there. It's the Lord. It's not Mark. It's God. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this. Also, Yeshua and Bonnie, and Sherebiah, and Jamin, Akab, Shabbatiah, and all these other names that I can't pronounce, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So look here, special men were appointed to help the people understand God's word. After the reading, they needed to understand it, because if they didn't understand it, it would do no good. Understanding needs to be the first goal of anyone as a parent being a teacher to your children. You need to have an understanding of it. And it is totally, let me just say this, it's totally okay to say you don't know. You guys have heard me say it. I'm like, (laughs) I don't, I have no idea. I looked, I searched, I found so many contradictory things. I have no idea what this means. Here's my thought, it's just my thought, and we move on. But understanding needs to be the first goal of any parent, preacher, or teacher. When I stand to teach God's people, there are some things that I always need to remember. Now, let me say this. You guys have heard me use the word preacher. You know who the preachers are in this church, right? Because I'm not the preacher. I'm the teacher. I'm the pastor. The preachers are you. 
That's what a preacher is because there's different offices. It says to preach and to teach. Some are called to be preachers. Some are called to be teachers. Some are called to be evangelists. You are to preach. A preacher actually goes out and gives out the good news. Go therefore and make disciples. So you as a Christian are to lead people to the Lord, to preach. Now that doesn't mean you get there and you start slamming your hand like we see some of those guys on TV doing and jumping up and down. But to instruct and you need to have an understanding See, if you leave, if you leave this place knowing five helpful hints to a better life, but don't have a greater understanding of God's word, I have failed. If you leave here being amused by humor and entertained by anecdotes or captivated by a dramatic story, but don't have a greater understanding of God's word, I've failed again. If you leave here motivated to action or praying a prayer, but that's not based on a greater understanding of God's word, guess what? You guys know the answer to that. I have failed. But if you leave here admiring me and don't have a greater understanding of God's word, I have failed. See, I will be held accountable before God for my failure. That's why we go through these books, verse by verse, line upon line, We want to study the Bible. Look at the second part of verse 8. It says, help the people understand the law. It's important to see why God's people need special help in understanding God's word. First, because the things of God are spiritually discerned and not intellectually discerned. The Holy Spirit uses gifted teachers to bring spiritual discernment to you and I, helping us to understand what God's word says. Second, because it was first written in a different language, in a different culture, in a different place at a different time. So it's important to understand why these things are going on here. You and I might read something and see it and be like, oh, why? I don't get it. But it's because of when it was written, where it was written, the place it was written, the language it was written in, and the culture are all very important things to understand as you go through the Word of God. And you might think, well, man, how do you get all this? Let me just say this. We have, and we're going to probably order a book called Living by the Book. It's a great book. It teaches you how to study your Bible. It's one of the best books ever. The third thing, because our minds are often slow to understand the things that will convict our hearts. We often need it spelled right out to us. I'm that guy. I sometimes need people to just spell it out. You know, the the house might be a mess, a trash can overflowing with trash. I'll walk by and look at it, and my thoughts like, man, that needs to go out. wonder who's going to take it out. My wife will be like, hey, the trash needs to go out. It stinks. Oh, okay, yeah, I get it now. She's talking to me. I I should take out the trash. Or I'll get one of the kids. That's what you got kids for. See, understanding isn't only necessary for those who haven't become familiar with the Bible. Sometimes if we have heard it ten times before, we may not understand it for right now. There have been times where I've got verses where I'm like, oh, man, I've read that a hundred times. Now I understand it. If you think about a guy who restores artwork... When he cleans a painting, he reveals things that were always there. What was that thing, that one painting they found? Was there a fly? I think there was a fly in, uh, I can't remember whose painting it was. Whose painting was it? Monet. Somebody was looking at a painting, and they were looking at it, and they took it back, and they said, man, there's something here. And they started cleaning it, and there was a fly stuck in the paint. Probably since the day he painted it, because he painted outside. 
He was probably in some pasture and he probably had his horse and, and a fly probably flew by. He got stuck in a wad of fresh paint and had been there. and Somebody had to clean it and restore it. See, what happens is those people who clean those things reveal the things that have always been there. It wasn't as bright or the details weren't as clear because they were kind of obscured. Then the real impact of the painter's work, once it's been cleaned, it can really be seen. And it's the same thing sometimes as we read. It's always been there. It's just now it's made clearer because we maybe have been moved to a place in our spiritual walk where God says, well, now you can handle that. Now you can handle applying that one thing to your life. So they read, it says, distinctly. The preacher must speak in a very clear, easy-to-understand way. His main goal is to make the people understand, not to impress or entertain them. Now, you can use something entertaining to get your point across, but it's not for entertainment purposes only. They gave the sense, and it helped them to understand, it says, the reading. So the, the teacher must communicate the sense of the passage of Scripture, not his own agenda, not his favorite personal topics. I, I, I take issue with people that are always doing topical studies. They're great. I like them. But, but sometimes it's like, man, you take a topic and you can take it completely out of context of the word. That's why we want to see everything before and after so we can get a true meaning of God's word. And so the people must leave understanding God's word better, not understanding the pastor's opinions better. Look at verse 9. Nehemiah, which is the Cherishatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not or weep, for all the people wept, and when they heard the words of the law. So think about that. For spiritual renewal, God's people must respond to his word. There was a response and, and, and turn to God's word. They read it. They read it from the scrolls, Uh, then it was taught to them for a clearer understanding, and there's always got to be a response to God's Word, because if you don't respond to it, and that doesn't mean you need to cry, but like I prayed, that it must change us, that we walk out of here different, going, man, you know, that, that applies to me, or I wonder how that applies to me. See, the Word of God was doing its intended work. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us two things that the Word of God is profitable for. For reproof and correction. Reproof and correction. Sometimes it hurts to be corrected. It it does. The truth hurts. And, And these tears were evidence of some of that pain. He says, do not mourn or weep. Ezra and Nehemiah and the Levites did not want the people to mourn, even though it's a good thing to be sad under the conviction of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. Yet if the sense of conviction is greater than the sense that God is doing good and holy work, then tears are no good. They're not good. Our knowledge of our sins should never be bigger than our knowledge of Jesus as our Savior. I'll say that again. Our knowledge of our sin should never be bigger than our knowledge of Jesus as our Savior. See, you and I, we're great sinners, but he's a greater Savior. Amen? Therefore, the joy of the Lord is your strength, even when you're being convicted of sin. The joy of the Lord is your strength, even when you're being convicted of sin. See, when we're convicted of sin, we know that God is doing a work in us, and so, well, we can be glad and take joy. 
that he cares enough to correct us. When you correct your children, when I correct my children, I take like to discipline them. I'd rather it always be fun, but I take great joy in them learning the lesson and watching what happens as they move on. My, my son had just turned 12 the other day. And some of the things that he does, and, and I was laughing at him last night because he sat down and he was like, Dad, you know, I was looking in the mirror and my head seems bigger and longer and my shoulders seem wider. And it, did we get a new mirror? And I'm like, no, you're growing up. He's like, ah. and he was just smiling. He's like, man, dude, I'm like a little adult. And I was like, you are a little adult. Do not sorrow, it says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Again, the people felt sad because they were aware of their sin. My son felt excited because he was aware of what's happening in his body. He's growing up. And he sat down and he says, you know, Dad, I wish I was three again. And I was like, oh, buddy, I do too. I wish you were three again. I wish you were five again. I wish you were six. But, but it's very exciting to watch what he's turning into. And the Lord says the same for us. Sometimes I've got to discipline you because I'm very excited to see what you're going to be. And though he knows, he knows the end from the beginning, I think it's more exciting for us as we try to walk that walk. See, they could walk in joy because God was doing a great work. Our emotions are not beyond our control. Let me say that. They're really not. People get emotional, but your emotions are not beyond your control. We can do God's will even when we don't feel like it. So the more the light of God's holy word shines into our hearts, the more we will see areas where we do not conform to his righteousness. Spiritual renewal always involves repentance. We will never ever be sinless, but we will sin less if we are spending a lot of time in God's word. We will spend less time sinning if we spend more time in his word. Look at verse 12 with me. Verse 12 says, And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. So they went away praising God. And they went away because understanding God's word brings such a sweet sense of joy. There's a a story that Chuck Swindoll um, tells of in, in a book he wrote called Hand Me Another Brick. And it's, it's a great kind of commentary on this, uh, on this book of Nehemiah. And he tells of a time when he spoke at a family conference that he had noticed a, a young couple that had had several small children. And he said, although they looked and they sounded uh, like a Christian family, it was evident to him and his wife that they were very miserable. He said he just knew that divorce was on the back burner of their minds. But as the week had progressed, he had saw that couple change as they listened to the teaching of God's word. The husband began to hang on to every word. The wife had her Bible open and followed the messages closely. And at the end of the week, this couple had come up to he and his wife and said, we want you to know that this week has been a 180 degree turnaround experience for us in our marriage. When we came, we were ready to separate. We were going back stronger than we've ever been in our marriage, but that joyous news, he says, was dampened by another family's response. And he continues and he says, at the same conference, with the same speakers, the same truths and the same surroundings, the same schedule, another father was turned off. He wasn't open. He attended the first few sessions. 
But by and by, the guilt became so great and the conviction so deep that he went home. He had stayed awake the entire night before, and he had reached a decision to leave and not come back. His family left hurting, perhaps even more than when they came. So the question is, what was the difference? What's the difference? And Chuck Swindoll says this, attitude. The couple who benefited had teachable hearts. The other man did not. Let me close with this. Some people come to church with reverence for God and his word, saying, God, teach me. I want to know you more. And they're ready to respond to the word, and I pray that that's you. They profit from the teaching, but then there are others who kind of come to the service with sin in their hearts that they really don't want to deal with. And they're turned off by the very same message that helps others to grow. If you want spiritual renewal, what you really need to do is check your heart. Check your heart. See, it comes when responsive hearts read and reverently hear God's word faithfully proclaimed. That's the important thing that you and I need to get. They're going to be, it's the same message. I've had people tell me, man, that really spoke to me. And then other people come up and they're like, well, let me tell you how you should have done this. And it's like, okay, cool, whatever. But we need to respond to God's word. You're going to respond one way or the other. You might say, well, I decide not to decide. Well, you decided. You've made a decision. Others will respond by saying, I'm going to change. I want the Lord to really do a work in me. And that's great. That's where we all need to be. I've been in both of those places. I've sat in a Bible study one time with a hard heart, an angry heart, because I wasn't willing to let go of something that I was hanging on to. Now, you talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or someone that's into all of that stuff, and they'll tell you, well, you just weren't ready. doesn't matter if I'm ready. Feelings don't matter. I have to make a decision to forgive. I have to make a decision to repent. I have to make a decision to want to be one of God's true children and true followers. I know I'm never going to be perfect, but if I choose to sin, then I choose to ignore God. And if I choose to ignore God, I can't complain and gripe and wonder, why is this happening to me? And I pray that's never you guys, that we respond to God's word, word and say, Lord, do a work in me, change me. I tell people all the time, you might have troubles, and I was telling somebody this last week, you might have a problem with another individual. Your prayer always should be, Lord, don't change them, change me. And I heard a great praise report because of that today. And so I know that it works when you truly want to do what God wants you to do. Are you aware how valuable you are to the kingdom of God? You are. Whoever you are and whatever you do is exactly as God intended it to be. He decided long before you were born just what talents you would have and what your unique contribution to the kingdom would look like. No one else can do what you do. And no one else can reach others with the joy and hope of the gospel message like you can. It doesn't matter if you work in the ministry or have a secular job. If you're a student or a professional, or if you're still figuring out God's path for you, today you can do great things for Him. We're so glad you joined us today for Come Alive, and we hope the message you've just heard was a blessing to you. Before we go, we'd like to share an opportunity for you to be a part of what we're doing here at Come Alive. Here's Tracy with more information. Thanks, Chris. Each edition of Come Alive that you hear has been professionally produced to minimize any distractions from the message of hope only God can bring. 
While we offer this program for free to our listeners, there are costs involved on our end. Would you pray about joining us as financial supporters of Come Alive? Any and all amounts are useful and so appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katie at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Thanks, Tracy, and thank you for joining us today for Come Alive.